It's the Heart of a Fighter show. Guys, this is your coach, Coach Johan. Thank you again for joining me. This is the show where we talk everything having to do with fitness. If it means keeping you inside the gym, we're here to cover it. If it means we have to do play special music for you, if it means we got to teach you what bus lines to take, we're here for it. Guys, today, I'm going to raise a debate that's been in the forefront of fitness for decades. What's the relationship between the way you look and your aesthetics versus your fitness? What's more important? But first, guys, I want to remind you. Give me a shout out. Give me a little five star love and some comments on iTunes, especially. It doesn't matter what platform you are using. Give me a little bit of a shout. Give me some comments. In fact, why don't you answer this question? Which is more important? Which is more important to you guys? Is it more important to look great or to be in great shape? Is there a place in your life where you're able to accept the way you look, even though it's, I guess, sub? optimal for you but you're in great shape like maybe you're 200 pounds but you can run a marathon real easy is that cool let me know answer back with i'm in great good shape or look phenomenal right guys it again like i've been saying has been going on for a long time what's more important at the end of the day it is the crux of all fitness. It's the crux of how we sell fitness. It's the it's the nexus of how we really determine in a phenotypical light what's more important, right? If you look like you're in shape, people are willing to assume that you're in great shape. You know, I speak I get that a lot looking the way I do, and there have been times in my life where no one could tell that I'm out here smoking a lot of cigarettes, or I have a lot of shitty habits, um, or I've had a lot of shitty habits, just the way you look to people tends to determine what type of shape you're in, right, it's kind of unfortunate when we talk about this with regards to women, we know that in our society, women have this unusually high standard for the way you're supposed to look right and so if you don't look that way you're assumed to be broken to some measure if you're not trying to look that way and if you are heavy even if your numbers are way down your blood sugars you know 98 your 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 bmi is like 26 not that bad you're Blood pressure is 100 over 50. You're like fucking Lance Armstrong. You got the big heart. But you look overweight, people automatically assume you're real heavy. If we even take a step back, we have to know that a lot of what fitness is based on, it used to be like this carnation of bodybuilding. The idea that if you show that you have a ton of muscle and you can walk around in a fucking Speedo, you're in great shape. And so there's always been this more, or I'm not going to say it's inexorable, but there's always been this affinity for the way you look and how in shape you are. We 
all know folks that look like they're in phenomenal shape can't do 15 push-ups, right? We all know people who are super heavy, but they're actually in better shape than the rest of you. In terms of your numbers, hell, maybe they can even do a lot of, you know, they're great weightlifters. Um, I got a few and have had for a long time, a lot of trainees, right? That look that are 190 pounds are able to do everything inside the gym. But if you took one look at them and you asked them, hey, you know, how much weight have you lost? They'd be like seven pounds in the last, you know, five years. But they're out here able to do everything. Body weight, TRX, pull-ups. I don't know, push-ups, the whole nine. So you take a look at that and you would never think people are in shape. A lot of those folks actually happen to be women, right? As far as you're talking to me. I've had people who are in their 50s who are guys. If I look at the way that they move their body through space, I might say, hey, you're cool. You're in great shape. But then when you get inside the gym, they can't do... We're doing mace curls where you got the mace and you're swinging over the head and you're doing this. I want them to plank for two minutes. Their hips are fucked up. The spine is stiff. Their neck is stiff. That's not health. That's not healthy either. But you look at them and you're like, hey, you're, you're cool. You're in great shape. You know, you got kids. You're chasing after them. These are the... This is a disambiguity that we have when it comes to aesthetics versus fitness. What's more fucking important, right? When I was younger for me, I had one of my best friends started bodybuilding. And at that point in my life, I wasn't really interested in... I was already, for me, I was an athlete. He was an athlete too. And so... His entry into bodybuilding was more about sports. Like, he was already a great athlete at a lot of things. Then he went into bodybuilding, I think, as a function of athletics, right? And now that I think about it even right now, I don't think that that is actually very normal. I think people, for the most part, go into bodybuilding because they care more about the way they look and like lifting weights the way it makes them feel. For me, as a kid, I was more... About being an athlete. So when people ask me like. Hey. You know I heard of this stuff. You know. All you got to do is take it once or twice a week. You lift for three weeks. You know. Then you take some more. You'll get huge. I was like bro. I'm way too fucking skinny for that shit. I didn't care about how I looked. I care about how I performed. Right. That was me personally. So that was my entry as a kid. As I got older and met more people in bodybuilding, I noticed that there was this thing where, hey, maybe it's more important to look great than it is to be, you know, a performance level athlete. And so, you know, even lately I've heard about people doing this cold sculpting. And there is nothing more disturbing (laughs) than some of this shit, right? Some of this cold sculpting, some of the, the... Physical kneading out of your muscles to try and smooth dimples, cellulite in your body. You know, um, man, 
we're out here creating processes so that you could I mean if we could take a butcher knife like one of those mechanical reciprocating that you cut the turkey and somehow shave slivers of fat off of your fucking love handles you know we anesthetize you first maybe with um liquid nitrogen and then you know you have a doctor come in or a doctor's assistant and reciprocating saw (laughs) off layers it's disgusting we would probably sign up for that because it's super disturbing when i heard recently about this cold sculpting i'm thinking shit we might as well just do some of this stuff too you guys some of you not all of you must really 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 be into your aesthetics over your fitness it's probably the minority of you, but have you guys heard of this shit? It's called cold sculpting. You go in. I'm not too. I just did a cup, uh, a little Instagram search, and I saw some shit. So first of all, it looks like you go in complaining of uh, chronic double chin. <laughs> Doctor, uh, got this thing. It won't go away. Every time someone calls my name, I turn my head really quickly my skin goes flying it's fat right here underneath my chin maybe right i don't have one but i'm assuming if you have one the 17 ounces of fat right here can't happen so can you draw on my face doctor probably looks back at you and says yeah i'll draw all over your chin and then we'll figure out how to kill the fat cells inside of your fucking face so that you don't look fat anymore when I first heard about this, I thought, mm, my girlfriend was telling me about it. And I'm like, no, that can't be right. Because of, you know, being a coach for a long time, I've, some of my trainees over the years have made jokes about needing, physically needing fat out of their body. And I'm like, nah, you can't actually do that. That's ridiculous. You can't need fat out of your body. That'd be super weird. And when I heard about this cold sculpting, I'm like, no. It can't be done. And I did the search. Well, yeah, you know, it's a thing. Doctor will draw all over your fucking, you know, your face or inside of your leg where there's a pocket of fat. And no, guys, you're wrong if you think that killing cells in your body is actually pernicious to your existence. No, 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 no. You can kill cells in your body, apparently, and just be fine with it. So, apparently, I'll get like a like a, a suction thing, right? And I'll blast myself. I'll get blasted by the nurse practitioner person with cold... I'm, I'm thinking it's like cryotherapy for localized cryotherapy. And it'll just kill all the fat cells here, wherever I might might, might want them to, to die. Okay? Then, uh, I wait a few minutes, maybe a few hours. I have no idea. I think I get another one. I come back and my chin should have shrank a few inches. Because locally, I've destroyed all the fat cells. I can't think of a worse thing to do to your body other than drink five hour energy well okay all right there's a few things you can do of the legal things that you can do 
not ethical, legal things that you can do to your body to tell your body, like, I hate you <laughs> to some measure, I think number one has to be smoking cigarettes because those ultimately will kill you. Number two has to be five-hour energy, drinking it on a, like, three times or more a week. Tie, that's tied with doing coal sculpting, cool sculpting therapy on your body. Those are two slash three of the most pernicious activities you can do to yourself, I think. But raising a meta point about the importance of aesthetics, especially in our society, specifically or most impactfully with women, it mil- it still makes me wonder what is more important. Are we still here looking for aesthetic victories versus performance gains? And what happens when our aesthetic victories never come? It's, I think, common knowledge that after your 20s, your body starts to do some shit. You know, your testosterone starts to pick up, or your estrogen starts to pick up. Your testosterone dies down a little bit, which in men, you know, you're just not going to look the same over time, right? So there goes your aesthetics. Can you accept that? Do we go in for more TRT? I want to know. What do you guys think? I'm, I'm curious, you know? I personally have one trainee that could benefit from doing some TRT because um, there's a lot. He's had a lot of bangs and bruises in his life. Things that have probably proliferated the decline of his testosterone. And so getting TRT therapy for guys like that, probably not a bad idea. You know, get the... Juices flowing, make you feel like a king in this bitch, and get his butt up moving about a little bit more. But other than that, I don't really have experience with guys that are doing a lot of TRT. So, to the end where I have to say, hey, aesthetics are more important, I look at guys and say, um, at least I look at least at my trainees and I say, maybe it's not the penultimate of importance. But then again, society says otherwise. Society says, yes, drink, blow, go to an oxygen bar and blow a light wave of oxygen all over your fucking face to fill in, I guess, the cracks where oxygen, oxidative processes have somehow penetrated your skin, gone in and destroyed the collagen. Right? Because you forget that this layer of skin is dead. Like, the top layer is dead. But actual measures of taking collagen in your face or oxygen and and maybe counteract it. I don't know why, but this is the thing. I've heard of people um, I mean, forget it. You got all kinds of surgeries. You have Botox, you have a lot of measures that people go through to just look a bit younger. And I have to wonder, I have to say, hey, maybe we're dealing with uh, 
not a more odious aspect of our society that we can ignore. I'm sure women are well aware, right, already. But um, just as a coach, performance is far more important, guys. Performance. Because I think along with building yourself up, like the things that we do, this is the way I have always looked at it, is the things that we do to reverse the aging process, they're very surfacey. Meaning I can go and get botulism injected into this side of my face thereby like filling out the dead collagens and now I look like I have a fuller face right literally botulism the thing that we try to kill in the canning process we want an attenuated version of that injected Botox into our face to fill out our face that's a very temporary fix in theory we don't know what Botox is going to do in 30 years, but in theory, right, our, our our immune system could attack it and degradate that Botox. In theory, and we'd have to do it again. Women have for a long time been getting, I think, um, like saline injections, which isn't as invasive or violent as Botox. But women have been getting, I think, like saline injections into various parts of their face to do the same thing. Very superficial, and I don't mean that as like a superficial um, characteristic, but I mean literally it's a it's a upstream problem to an upstream solution to a downhill problem, right? It's like just putting a band-aid on a problem that goes far deeper. It's a deep wound. The band-aid's not gonna help. Okay. I found that the things that we do for anti-aging, anti-aging often are surfacy, while the th- the processes we engage in to um, feel better for performance gains they last a lifetime. They last a lifetime, don't they? The act of building up better glycogen stores, increasing your power output. Learning functional patterns of movement, increasing your mobility over time. These things, in my humble opinion, it seems to me those are what actually elongate. They 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 they're curative internally. You feel better. You wake up. You're ready to go. You are able, your heart rate slows down a bit. You take in nature a little bit more. You appreciate moments a little bit more. You're more active spiritually. Those things are associated with longer telomeres. From a very reductionist, or should I say rudimentary kind of understanding, your telomeres are these tails on the ends of your chromosomes, which the shorter they are, right, the shorter they are, the your the shorter your life expectancy. I believe. I'll have to double check. I don't think it's longer means you live shorter. I think it's shorter telomeres. So the more the less genetic information, which we don't know what it codes for exactly, on the end of your chromosomes, the shorter that is, the shorter your life expectancy. It's not A equals B, but We've seen this association. Meditation. 
the act of slowing down our heart rate, the act of kind of being engrossed in the moment keeps those telomeres long, keeps the oxidative processes of free radicals that we're surrounded by all the time, those same things that are associated with breaking down collagens and all this in our face and that, they kind of stay away from us or they don't, they're not as active. Our antioxidant processes in our, in our bodies, our peroxisomes, these these organelles inside of our body and what we eat actively destroys those free radicals, stops attacking our telomeres. We have longer telomeres. And guess what? Supposedly that is associated with an increase um, in our life expectancy. And that shit that's the stuff that takes work, doesn't it? It takes work to get better at plyometrics, your punching technique, your power lifting. It takes time. Whereas if we just go ahead and say, hey, I'm just going to um, drink activated charcoal and shit fucking uh, shit black tar, that should help my gut. And then I should go over here and get my face done alone. You can do both, by the way. But when we have put that heavy emphasis on the aesthetic, it seems like that easy fix doesn't really last that long, does it? And it doesn't, that's not helping our body get rid of free radicals. I've always been a firm believer that the thing that actually helps us live longer is like eat trail mix more, make cook your own food a little bit, spend time doing things. That nutritive process. Is salubrious and helpful and happy for our system. That helps us live longer, keeping our bodies happy. Pretty simple. (laughs) Pretty simple kind of result from just over the years, that's what I've noticed. I keep that simplicity close to me when I do train my people. Um, But hey, it rages, that, that debate still happens, right? It's still like, which one's more important? Is it, you know, the aesthetic thing or is it is it people lifting for performance, working for performance? Uh, you never know. I wanted, guys, on that same topic for once, look at this. Continuity. It runs rampant. I'm going to talk to you guys about this. Uh, or I want to read you an article. So, yeah, we're bringing the article back. Okay. This one is about cosmetic procedures in men, specifically in Silicon Valley. All right, here we go. In Silicon Valley, some men say cosmetic procedures are essential to a career. Lounging at an outdoor cafe just outside downtown San Francisco, his athletic frame filling out a slim fit button up, a talkative tech worker named Daniel, detailed the many ways he's optimizing his existence. Optimizing Over his the existence. week, he says, he returned from a 10-day trip to Italy's Amalfi Coast. Before that, he boasts, he journeyed to a yoga retreat and juice cleanse in Bali, the perfect setting to unload the stress he absorbs working at a well-known tech company in Silicon Valley. Damn juice cleanser. After a five-year marriage and shedding 10 pounds of subcutaneous fat several years back, his sun-kissed body now carbon toxin-free Daniel has re-emerged a new, seemingly younger man. 
the changes have enhanced his dating life, but more important, he says, they've bolstered his youthful professional image, giving colleagues the impression that he's high energy, hard working and on trend. There's only one problem. Most of Daniel's co-workers think he's in his late 30s, but he's 48 years old. So like a growing number of male tech workers, Daniel is considering a new strategy to conceal his advanced age for years to come. Plastic surgery, Botox, a facelift to counteract under-eye bags, and the kind of midsection sculpting that could offer the impression that washboard abs ripple beneath his tailored shirts dot in Silicon Valley. It's commonly believed that if you're over the age of 35, you're seen as over the hill said fan, who touts himself as an expert in panel enhancement and Botox injections. Under pressure to keep up financially and surrounded by an influx of creative young workers with new skills and talents, middle-aged tech workers can find themselves immersed in a future-obsessed culture that celebrates youthful brain power with the same vigor that Los Angeles or Miami celebrates youthful bodies. Last year, Google paid out $11 million to more than 230 job applicants older than 40, who accused the company of engaging in a systematic pattern of age discrimination during its hiring process, according to court documents. Today's techie is all about striving for perfection, whether that's redefining retail, altering traditional transportation networks, spearheading a crypto banking revolution, or flooding father time as long as possible. All that's equivalent. why, in certain parts of Silicon Valley these days, appearing old by its very nature carries more than a residue of failure. Not to be forgotten are treatments like cool sculpting, a technique that freezes fat cells Fucking cool. giving someone the appearance of a slimmer, fitter physique. Many procedures require little recovery, <coughs> allowing workers to return to the office within a day or two, and often less. But in Silicon Valley, most patients are inspired less by classic looks and more by the act of striving for personal optimization. Yeah, and it's interesting. I, uh, man, the rest of the, what the rest of the world must think about our little like enclave out here on the west, right? This, I know, when this is this Silicon Valley, even that, that, that nomenclature, Silicon Valley has little to do with what actually used to be here before that. There was a coexistence of Silicon Valley and Bay shit, Bay Area culture that existed semi-harmoniously, um, at least to the rest of the world for decades, like four or five decades. Well, probably like four and a half. But in the last definitely teens, there's been a rise of Silicon Valley culture and a decline of the former. And it's what the rest of the world or even the country must think about our enclave. It's amazing that 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 an area that was so that's the most diverse area in the country by miles. Right. Santa Clara. Silicon Valley, Oakland to Berkeley, Sacramento and back. All right, I feel like Tupac's uh, lyrics right now. More diversity than anywhere else in the U.S. Now we're taking every opportunity to just distance ourselves from diversity. Right? We want younger. We want perfection. We want suited and booted. Right? To give you those six figures so that you can. Pay $4,000 a month in rent. We're cool with this segment of society. But the rest? Nah. And to think that this area began with heavy, heavy diversity. 
not not like you know there was like i mean i'm not talking about like oakland where it's half black for example out here was never much like that but with regards to the fact that everybody kind of went to the same schools and everybody that went to those schools shared classes with each other and i don't mean academic i mean social classes and demographics with each other that existed here like it does nowhere else in the country and god i'm Save for Toronto, I don't know that it exists in very many places. The most diverse place in the U.S., and now we're just distancing ourselves from it. And look, if they, I'm curious too about the author, about the the, the guy Daniel in the story, the anti, the protagonist. You're not from here, are you? Because if you care that much about your age, as it corresponds to a lot of these young techies who also didn't grow up here. You're, man, that's a rat race I want nothing to do with. My God. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, guys. What can I say, man? Do what you got to do to s- compete. Comp- competition brings out... It allows us to deepen our knowledge of ourselves. Right? And if that means you should compete in a intellectual standpoint... Maybe the people that you're competing with are younger. I say, do your best. Do your best to stay competitive. Where it brings out the most in you, even though that's a cliche. It deepens your understanding of who you are as a person. So that's always a great thing. But when it means you have to do cryotherapy on 1% of your body to murder innocent fat cells... I say hole up on that. Heal up. (laughs) Ain't fucking worth it. Alright, you guys. Thank you for joining me. This was a special Heart of a Fighter show. You can catch this one on YouTube, guys. Hey, I hope you have a fantastic week and your 2020 is already kicking some ass. It better be. Next time I check in, I want to know that you've done big things already. Alright, hey. I'll catch you guys next time. Thank you. Cool.